Hello, my name is Ken Carter. I have the joy of serving as the Bishop of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. Uh, and I'm really uh, just privileged to share in conversation with, uh, with Dr. Rini Hernandez, who is the superintendent of the Southwest District uh, of the Florida Conference. He's really in his eighth year in that leadership role. Uh, and we're gonna have a very specific conversation about just something he's done in a remarkable way, and that is to, to develop uh, a network that supports the growth of the pastors in his district. So, Rennie, welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would like to share with you that um, we put together uh, a leadership team. Uh, we call it the operational team in the Southwest District. Very early during my tenure, I realized that I wouldn't be able to do much um, only by myself. So we put together a group of leaders in the Southwest District and uh, in, with the uh, purpose of doing adaptive work uh, within the, the, uh, our, the Southwest District. But one of the things that we realized very early in this process is that uh, isolation is really a bad idea for pastors. And uh, we um, had experienced a number of difficult situations with pastors where the common trend had been isolation and not being connected to each other. So we decided to um, uh, invite all of the pastors in the Southwest District to be in a closer relationship with each other with two main purposes. One was uh, faithfulness. Uh, spiritual growth, practice of spiritual disciplines, allowing each other to ask questions about our relationship with God and the relationship with people who are close to us. And then uh, also it's about fruitfulness. It's about uh, being better leaders and how can we support each other in ministry as we try to reach out people for Christ. So instead of doing that in isolation, that has really uh, brought together uh, a sense of trust and a sense that we are on this together and that we can do things when we are together. We can do it better than when we are on our own. Right, right. And in your district, Rennie, you have some of the largest churches in our denomination and you have some very affluent communities in your district, and you have some v communities that are very impoverished mm -hmm. uh, in the interior, and you, you have some very small churches. Uh, when you're sitting down to talk to a pastor for the first time, how do you invite them to be a part of one of these groups? Well, uh, the strategy we developed was to, I, I would have regional gatherings with um, 10 to 12 pastors I did about eight of those, and uh, I developed a PowerPoint basically saying uh, we have a covenant right. as United Methodist uh, elders and pastors that, that we will support each other in ministry. Uh, we don't look really very connectional <laughs> when right. we are trying to accomplish a number of things on our own, right. and, and I just try to invite them to come to this relationship. And of course, in the beginning, there was some hesitation and, and people not really understanding what was this about. Some people thinking that, oh yeah, this is a new thing and it will go and we will keep doing the same. 
So yeah, there was some skepticism, and uh, what, uh, as people started gathering together, they grew in that in this sense of trust. Another thing that we did is to put them by affinity in affinity right. groups. Right. So like all of the large church pastors are in one group. Uh, all of our island pastors with very specific right. uh, demographic and, and, and challenges, they are in another group. And then we put together um, people on Highway 17, which is more rural, right. people on Highway 27, that is also another rural area. So, and, and in general, we have given them freedom to attend whatever group they feel comfortable but we have tried to really bring them with the, the purpose of we have things in common that we can help each other with. Right, right. So uh, we're talking about clergy peer groups or covenant, covenantal groups. What, uh, for those who are listening, what would happen in one of these groups? Well, uh, we have encouraged the groups to uh, develop the L3 model, meaning by that, uh, spend time in loving God and loving each other. Uh, spending time in learning something that will help them to be better pastors and leaders. And then uh, leading together, finding ways to support each other's ministries. So in many of these meetings, somebody have come out and say, well, uh, I'm looking for a finance person. Uh, we can only afford to pay a part-time person. And then the, there's this other pastor which is who's not far from this other church saying, well, we have a, a part-time finance person. What about if we share this, this person? So it's just an, an example of things that have happened as they sit together and they talk about their issues and they find ways to really collaborate with each other. There is no merit in a church doing really well while other churches are not doing that well. And, and nobody caring about it. Yes, right. we, we do care about each other. Amen, amen. So uh, the groups have a leader, right? Yes. Uh, how do you, what do you look for in a leader? How do you identify the leaders of these groups? Well, the leaders, uh, almost all of them have had um, some training uh, under the SLI model, Spiritual Leadership Incorporated. So they, they have previous experiences of practicing the L3 model. They, um, they are people who are respected by their peers and, 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 and people who can facilitate conversations about church vitality and about personal growth and, and particularly spiritual growth. So um, we have had excellent um, leaders in, um, uh, leading these groups. Right. And what would you point to as an example of a resource that helps people learn, that people have used in, in the district recently? Yeah, we, we have used a number of different things. Uh, we have used uh, Henry Cloud materials, uh, books. We have used Anatomy of Peace in, in the very beginning of this process. So we are always looking, uh, um, more recently we, we did Canoe in the Mountains. So we don't try to prescribe for every group what they have to share in their learning segment, but we encourage the leaders to really look for good books and, and the other piece is that the, all of the clergy peer group leaders are sitting on my operational team. Right. 
So we kind of strategize together about uh, the things that we can do with our groups, information that we need to convey, uh, accountability that we need to practice, and also what are some good books that we can share and study together uh, as we try to grow to be the leaders we are called to be. Right. So your your district has how many churches? 89. 89 churches. So you've, you have a vision and you have implemented a vision of every clergy leader being in a group. Right. Uh, and so as one superintendent, uh, it's very difficult to oversee 89 churches. Many of them have more than one pastor. It's just impossible. And so you, uh, this is really genius. You've, you've developed a network of groups uh, where people um, are not so isolated. They're more connected and they learn to love each other and love God. Uh, to learn and then and then lead, uh, and so these people know that when they have come into your district, this is the culture mm-hmm. of your district. So I have a couple of other questions. One is, uh, what's what's one of the most uh, just inspiring things that you've seen happen in one of those groups? Well, uh, we are learning almost every month. We are learning of new experiences that group have, but um, things like uh, churches needing staff and 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 then um, having the opportunity to uh, share staff with other churches has been a, a wonderful thing. And I mentioned that the case of a finance person, but I I can remember of musicians that have been shared uh, and a number of other things. But uh, one of the things that is more common in our, in our clergy peer groups is that pastors feel free to open their hearts to matters that maybe they don't have anybody else to talk That's about. That's great. So uh, just creating that culture of trust and giving them space to bring to the group whatever is bothering them, whatever they are... Some of them are in the candidacy process and they share their struggles with the process or, or they get help to, uh, to um, uh, deal with assignments, uh, growth assignments. So uh, the most wonderful thing that I have seen is breaking the competition barrier. That's wonderful. We we are not to compete with each other. We are all together in in the same mission. We are a mission together, right. and, and and we we really want everybody to succeed right. in the in the in the work we are doing for the Lord. That's wonderful. And so, pastors, clergy are a part of these of a group. Uh, do you see these pastors then? They also are serving many people, some of them large churches, many worship services. Do you see some of these pastoral leaders developing networks of small groups in their churches? Actually, that's something that we are promoting uh, at the clergy peer group level. Uh, we are helping every group to develop a ministry action plan for their group, and we are modeling that for them to take to their local church and be able to say, I want to have a leadership team, I need to have a ministry action plan, and they bring to the clergy peer group their map, and they share with each other, and they have 
chance to interact with that and play with that and receive suggestions, whatever. And, and that's one of the purposes of the clergy peer groups is actually modeling for local church pastors a leadership system that could be very relevant to their context. Right. So in some of your history, Rennie, you were a, you had a very distinguished uh, tenure as a pastor in Cuba, including a large church in Havana. And then you started a new church in Miami, and now you've served for a number of years as a superintendent. What do you think, uh, out of that history, what do you think you brought as you look back over a few years to the Southwest District? Um, well, through my experience of uh, being a Christian in Cuba, um, I learned about, um, uh, I learned how to be truly committed to Christ. Uh, I, I didn't have a chance to, to <laughs> have a different option. I just had to be faithful. Uh, and, and faithfulness to Christ, desire to grow in my relationship with Christ, it is, it is important to me and is part of what I try to communicate to the pastors and the leaders in the Southwest District. Also, as part of my experience in Cuba, we, we developed this um, profound sense of the mission of God and, and how the purpose of the church is to make disciples of Christ. So um, relationship with God, um, passion for people and for connecting people to Christ are some of the greatest things that I learned from my experience in Cuba and I have brought to my uh, experience as a district superintendent. Very early in my tenure, I got this advice from a colleague who said, Rini, you don't need to fill anybody's shoes, just be yourself. And and whatever I am, whatever I have learned, whatever I have uh, experienced in my relationship with God, uh, I have tried to bring it to my role as a district superintendent. Right. Uh, well, I want to thank you, Rainey, for the ministry you're having. And for those listening to us, uh, they perhaps can reach out to you, can reach out to the Southwest District of the Florida Conference to learn more about uh, how we can be transformed uh, by being in a small group where we are loving and learning and leading. Uh, a couple of our districts uh, work very closely with Spiritual Leadership, Inc. Uh, in a team form of leadership. Uh, they can learn about that from you as well. I was in a group for several years of bishops that practiced uh, that model, and we met together in the same way. And, and also, that is where I was exposed to the, uh, to the Anatomy of Peace uh, resource, which we've used in Florida, we've used in the in the Commission on a Way Forward and in the denomination about uh, how we can um, see each other uh, as being created in the image of God. Uh, I'd like to just conclude, Rennie, by asking you to pray for uh, those who are listening to us. Uh, and I think it would be for leaders that if they are feeling like they're a heroic solo leader or all the burdens on them, that they would look for, for this kind of group where, as you say, the uh, we can lose the competitiveness, but if you just offer a prayer and for those who are listening and for more of these groups uh, of, of disciples to multiply. All right, let us pray. 
Gracious God, we are grateful for the call you have placed upon our lives to be your servants. Um, the duties of ministry are sometimes a really heavy burden on us, and there is no good in trying to do that on our own by ourselves. We are part of a system. We are part of a church that prouds itself of, of being a connectional system, and, and God, we Uh, really need that connection with others in order to grow in our relationship with you, in our relationship with uh, our communities, and in our leadership skills and an ability to deal with complex issues. I pray today, Lord, for people who may be discouraged, people who have tried a number of things to bring more vitality to their churches, to um, their area of ministry, and I pray, God, that through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, people will receive this message today and believe that we are better together. We can develop a strong leadership systems in, in our er ministry area just by um, uh, taking advantage of each other's gifts and experiences And, and, and learning from each other. I pray, God, that your presence be with everyone, everyone hearing uh, this podcast. And I pray, God, that you will inspire everyone with the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Randy.